Good morning to you. You can take your Bibles and open up to the book of uh, Romans, Romans chapter 5, and there are some brief handouts uh, coming your way. Um, so Romans chapter 5. We certainly want to be praying for Pastor Scott. I can't imagine how frustrated he is. Um, and, uh, and so we want to just pray the Lord would give him wisdom and, and healing and help. Um, I, again, I got to imagine how frustrating that is. But it's an opportunity for us as a congregation to remember that we, we don't trust in any person. We don't trust in even the preparation process, but we trust in the word of God. Isaiah chapter 55, uh, this promise is so good. Uh, Isaiah says there, the Spirit says through Isaiah, so shall my word, this is God speaking, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So our hope this morning is purely that we will hear from the word of God and we will trust that God will use it to do that which he wants to do. So I have um, got us in Romans chapter five, and then we're also going to look at a, a, the end of last week's text in Galatians chapter three. So let's begin here in Romans chapter five. Uh, verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who is a type of the one who's to come, but the free gift, this is verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses, prompt justification. For, verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then in Galatians 
chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given might be given to those who believe. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we are dependent upon your word. We're thankful for your word. Without it, we would be in darkness. Worse than that, we wouldn't even realize we were in darkness. Father, without your word, we would have no hope. Without your word, we would not know of Christ. Without your word, we'd have no idea how this stuff fits together. And yet, Father, you've laid it all out. Here's the challenge, Father, for us. We live in a world that does not, for the most part, see or believe your word. And so we gather together with this distinct thing in mind and in heart and belief. We believe that your word is telling us all things that we need to know. Father, I pray right now for each person in this room, you would be kind enough to help us to pay attention. It is so easy, and the evil one wants so badly for us to write all these things off as religious speak. Father, I pray that your spirit would open our eyes to see that this is what it is all about. Give us wisdom to see and understand how you've moved through the ages Father, I pray that you would write these eternal truths on our hearts. And would Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ shine. We ask these things to you, Father, through the name of Jesus, that your spirit would work. In him we trust. Amen. Well, I've put on the top of your timeline there, I mean, the top of your handout, this, and if you've ever logged into the Quip Hour, you know I love this timeline. Um, this is, uh, this will give you an idea. So on the far right, there's Jesus, you back all the way up. Then there's Adam. Um, so I, so situated in between, um, Adam. So I want you to get your eyes there on Adam, you got your other eyes on Jesus there. So Adam on the far left, Jesus on the far right. And we've got a couple other major stops. We've got Abraham there. And then right after Abraham, about 500 years, we have Moses. You see that? So you got Adam, see Abraham, you see Moses, you see Jesus. I want you to see that. It's, this is human history. Um, it's the history of what God's doing, but it's human history. Um, so by God's grace, if, if he um, is kind enough to us this morning through his word, I'm hoping you're going to see how these things uh, tie together, and in so doing, we'll celebrate the gospel of Christ together. So I'm not very good at basketball. I'm not a very good basketball player. Um, I don't need any amens from folks who see me play basketball. Just believe me. Uh, I'm not great, but I really, I should say, enjoyed playing basketball. It's been a long, long time. 
But uh, in college, especially my, my, um, my uh, freshman year of college, there was a spring semester in particular um, that uh, I, I played a lot of basketball. I had a routine. I would finish up on campus. I'd make myself stay on campus to write at four o'clock every day. Um, and the whole goal, the, 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 the thing, the reward was when I get done, my buddy, he's waiting to play basketball and we can play for a couple hours. Um, and so I would, I can remember, I'd be so excited coming down that hill to our dorm, like, man, we're going to, we're going to play ball for a couple hours. And it was really weird. The dorm we were in happened to be the same dorm that the, our, our school's basketball team was in. So we, they're, they're in the same dorm. Well, they had a really nice court right outside, but they weren't ever allowed to play on it because the coach was afraid they would get hurt. So we had this really nice court uh, and nobody played on it. So it was just my buddy and I, he was a terrific ball player. So we would, uh, we played 10 games. Uh, I would maybe win one or tie was usually, I count that as a win. Um, but it, I loved it. It was a blast. That summer, right after um, uh, uh, that year, or actually it's the summer after that, um, I ended up in Romania. And when I got there, I was staying with a, a family. Um, we'd work with a couple other like orphanages and, and folks, but we stayed with families. Well, the family I was staying in, the, the, uh, the boy there, he was pretty tall. Um, and uh, he liked to play basketball. And he said, my friends and all like to play basketball. Well, I was like, man, this is great. This is the Lord really figured this out well for us. And so I was excited. We went to, um, they, we had to take like four trains to get to where there was actually a basketball hoop, but uh, there we were. So we got out there and, uh, and they were warming up. Folks, they were terrible. I mean, I can't even tell you how bad they were as basketball players. Now, I'm not a good basketball player, but they were terrible at basketball, but they loved it. They played all the time. So I tried to be nice about it and said, so y'all been playing this song? Oh yeah, we come out here as many times as we can a week to play basketball. Well, that's horrible. Um, that's really sad. I mean, they, they traveled about every other time they had the ball. They hacked each other like you've never seen hacking. I saw a guy go to post-stop and they threw him out. I mean, just grabbed him and threw him out. That's how they dealt with somebody posting up against him. They didn't understand the rules. Um, it, was, it, was, it was awful to watch. Here's what's funny. Rumor began to spread that there was a really good American basketball player. They came to watch me play basketball. Uh, and, and there would be a lot of folks gathered uh, day in and day out. Uh, I became this legend in Romania. I'm horrible. I mean, if you saw me play, you would be embarrassed that I represented our country there. But this continued throughout that uh, summer. The funny thing was, and it took me a little bit, um, there were, many of them were much better athletes than I was. But what was the difference? Well, the difference was I happened to grow up in America. And, and further, uh, you learn this when you go around the country, I happened to grow up in North Carolina where you, everybody just has a basketball hoop and you just play basketball. That's just what you do. I thought all the country did that. No, they don't. In Texas, I don't know if I saw a basketball hoop. Um, but uh, th that's a North Carolina thing. So it happened to be that where I grew up, uh, that this was what we did. 
Um, and, and as a result, but they were better athletes, but because where they grew up, nobody understood this thing. They couldn't follow the rules. Uh, then they, uh, they struggled. Um, the funny thing is, I thought all I had to do was teach them some of the rules, like, I mean, double dribbling. Oh, my word. Pick up the ball. Stop. Person stops you. Start dribbling again. Exactly. Right. All right. You've got it. Right. Um, so I thought I would just show them that. I finally just gave up on that. It's like, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. Double dribble all you want. Have at it. Um, because it, it made things worse, not better. Well, uh, in a very different light, I hope you'll see this morning that Paul is going to point us in Romans 5 to the fact that our birth, not into North Carolina basketball, but our birth into Adam has left us blinded. It's left us in a desperate state. And from that, we need rescue. And that he's put these other stops in there to help us see our need for rescue, but also the fullness of that. So let's walk through together. Verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. If you don't have this verse highlighted in your Bible, start or something, you need to do that. If you've never sat and thought on this verse, I commend to you this week, take some time and read through it section by section. If, if you digest and feel the weight of this verse as a Christian, I cannot express to you how helpful it will be for your Christian diet. So there are four main principles. First, by one man, namely Adam, sin entered the world. Now, notice he doesn't say that sins entered the world, but he said sin entered the world. Adam's premier act of disobedience led to a state of sin, and the nature of sin entered into humanity. So sin existed prior to this act in the Bible. We know this out of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. We're told that Satan's been sinning since the beginning. But prior to Adam's disobedient act, humans were not infected with a condition of sin, a chronic condition of rebellion against God. This is the result of Adam's rebellion. So one of the major things we believe as Christians is that we are all diagnosed as those under Adam with a chronic condition of continuous rebellion against God. We were made to have perfect, consistent, harmonious life with God. We were to reside with God such that it even says he walked in the cool of the garden we were made to trust each other. Just think about this. We were made to love each other, enjoy our labors on a regular daily basis, find unending joy in our maker. And instead, that does not describe your life or my life or our evening news at all. Instead, we struggle to see God in our daily lives. We distrust one another. We mistreat one another. Our labors are painstaking. Our lives are sprinkled with moments of joy only to be interrupted by more pain and turmoil. Something went wrong. 
Second, death came through sin. Prior to the fateful act of Adam, there was no death. But when sin came, death came with it. Death is the sure consequence of sin. The prognosis of every case of sin is death. That's just part of it. It's, it's the most certain prognosis in human history. It's almost unimaginable for us to think about a world without death. We can barely fathom the idea of it. Sometimes I'm shocked that we all know about death. We all know that. And yet we still can go on. It's actually shocking when you realize how massive it is. There's so many things that my children have yet to learn about the world and to experience, but you know something they already know about? They know about the worst news that there is about it, that there's death. They already know that, even though there's so, so many things they don't know. The Bible is true. It's told us why that is. There's sin and therefore there's death. And yet before Adam's act, there was no death. Why? Because we were near to God. Life is directly connected to God. The state of sin is defined by being disconnected from God. So the rightful consequence of our disobedience, rebellion against God, is disconnection from God. Therefore, the rightful consequence is death. Came through Adam. Sin came through one man, Adam. Sin brought death. Third, it spread. Look at that. Death spread to all men. So death came to Adam, but it spread. And, and we know that the condition of sin has spread to all men. How? Because everybody experiences it. This is the most obvious, and we've said this many times, it's the most obvious point in a funeral service. The loved one who's before us right now is dead. Therefore, the loved one who's before us right now is tied to Adam. That's how. That's why they're dead, because they're tied to Adam, because they've rebelled against God. This is the right consequence of sin. There's death. It's a sure sign. But think about it. Our world sees death all the time. And our world is also just as quick to say there's no such thing as sin. It's unbelievable. The fourth principle is the last three words, because all sinned. Ah, oh, so helpful, Paul. Paul says death spread to all because all have sinned individually. Each of us finds ourselves in the state of sin because of our forefather, Adam's sin, but each of us continues to sin just like Adam. So Adam's sin plunged us into the state of sin, but we each bear responsibility. I'm telling you, this verse is so helpful because of our individual sins. And so there comes that question that I think you have to ask of the Christian order. And that is, well, how's that fair? Every kid asks this question. You can see it coming. When I'm talking to my children, they, they ask it. Then a couple of months later, they ask it again. So wait a second. Adam did all this and I got to pay for this? What? That's not fair, right? Fair question. Here we go, right? Well, let me turn to my story of my Romanian basketball friends. 
they were all bad basketball players, all major rule breakers. I wish I had a, a video of this. I can play it in my mind, uh, and you all would be laughing with me. I suggested this is mostly because they were born in Romania. They've never seen somebody not travel or not double dribble. That's just the way it is. They've never seen somebody go up for a shot and not almost get assaulted. Uh, that just seems like they've never seen it, right? They were not good at following the rules. Well, let me ask you this question. Whether you can work it out or not, that it was unfair that they were born in Romania and therefore bad basketball rule followers, or that I was born in North Carolina and therefore a better basketball rule follower, whether you work it out or not, let me tell you, if you watched their basketball game, it would have driven you crazy because they broke some basketball rules, right? So can you imagine one of them standing up after double dribbling, traveling, and you know putting an elbow through another one's eye? Can you imagine one of them saying as you confront them on that? Well, I mean, it's really not fair. I mean, this is where I was born. Fair or not, my friend, you just traveled, double dribbled, put an elbow through somebody's eye. You are a basketball rule breaker. That's, that leaves you guilty of that, right? Well, really, that's what Paul is saying here. I got a question for you, Paul says back before he answers our question of whether it's fair or not. Fair or not, can I ask you this? Do you sin? Do you sin on a regular basis? Let's give you make it where it's worth, worse. Do you like it? Yeah. Well, let me, this even gets worse. This is a question you can ask to, uh, to children, and they're at least honest about it. Would you sin more if we would let you? Absolutely. Right? That's who we are. We can look in the mirror and know that. We enjoy sinning if it weren't for the Spirit of God, and we would probably actually sin even more if there weren't consequences to be had with it, right? We, we are those born under Adam. There's just no question about it. Every person born under Adam is imprisoned to the consequences of sin. So many people think of sin only in terms of disobeying God's rule, but Paul goes on to help us see the power and the consequence of Adam's act. He even says, even if no commands would have ever been given to obey, we would have still been in sin. So recall, stay with me here, that the Ten Commandments came with who? Moses, right? Moses. So there's a long gap. Look at your chart. Go from Adam. Look at your chart and go to Moses. There's many centuries. There's a lot of people. Just take your fingers there and, and run across that as you go from Adam to Moses. Now, that's, there's more time between Adam and Moses than there is between Moses and Jesus. That's a lot of time. There's a lot of people that lived during that time. And guess what? They were sinners. Even though there was no law telling them they were sinners, they were sinners. How do we know they were sinners? Because you haven't talked to them lately, and neither have I, because they are all what? Dead. And what is the consequence of sin? 
death. So the thing is, it's sin isn't just disobeying God. It's something deeper. This is what Paul is trying to explain to us. The problem is much worse. Paul says there's something in our nature that must be rescued. We have to have something outside of us change us. Verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. That's just that's what we just said. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Feel the weight of that. Look at, I mean, take your fingers and, and follow the chart and hear those words of Paul. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. In other words, they all kept dying. Why? Listen, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. So what is he saying? So Paul acknowledges that sin was in the world even without the commandments. When he says that sin is not counted, he means it's not enumerated. It's not itemized. So if a person's sins are not itemized, does that mean that he or she is not under sin? No, because he says death reigned from Adam to Moses. So when I showed up in Romania, as I said, they were already bad basketball players, right? They were traveling before I got there, double dribbling all of their, all their bad basketball transgressions they were doing. Um, but when I arrived, I began to enumerate these, right? Um, I began to say, you know, when, when somebody double dribbled, hey, you can't do that. No, you don't. You, stop. Y'all don't do that. When another one went in for a layup and his, the defender tripped him and he goes down, I'm like, hey, Tom, you can't trip a guy when he's going in for a layup. You, you can't do that. But realize, did I make them bad basketball players when I showed up? No, I just enumerated their already bad basketball playing ways. Do you realize what Paul's saying about us? He's saying, listen, you're the same condition of all those folks living from Adam to Moses. You know what the worst part about them is? They were all sin sinners, sinful, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. They were fine with it. Do you realize how messed up our nature is? That if nobody ever told us, we just wouldn't care. So go ahead. I know you watch the news. I know what you're going to tell me. Tim, the world is so messed up. So many evil things happen. It's got to be as evil as it's ever been. Okay. But no, it's not. You know, one of the most gracious things in the kindness of God, you live a time in human history that the world actually knows it's messed up. We can actually have a news story about the fact that someone was assaulted and murdered. That makes the news. What would be far worse is if people didn't even know that's something to report on because it just seemed normal. That would be far worse. Paul is saying that our condition is such 
that if God didn't point these things out, we would have no new stories to report of. We would be okay with that. That's how messed up we are. In the kindness of God, Moses comes and he shows us our sin. So the main point of Paul's argument is our problem is not simply that we break God's commandments, but that we are part of the human race identified with Adam and identified with sin. And therefore, our lives bear witness as we hurt others around us and are hurt by others. Our work is frustrating and it's flawed. Raising children is hard. I'm amazed by the number I saw that uh, there's over 100,000 books on Amazon on parenting these days. Over 100,000. Because we're trying to figure out why is it so hard? And the answer is always straight there in front of us. Because we are sinners raising sinners. That's tough. So Paul explains that the law can never clean that up, but the law given through Moses does highlight the problem and the severity. So our problem is an identity issue. Like my friends born in Romania were bad players, mostly because they were born in Romania. So we are sinners because we are born under Adam. We need an identity change. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. If many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace, and that's almost a, uh, a subtle how much more, has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And here Paul turns to the rescue. The free gift. That's the word for grace. How are we rescued? We're rescued by gift. It's mere grace. He says that the that free gift is not like the trespass. So here he begins to contrast the act of Adam and the act of Jesus. He says, many died through Adam's disobedience, but the free gift of Jesus of death on the cross not only reverses the curse of death, but goes further. He releases us from the chains of our sin identity and gives us a new identity in Christ because of Adam's sin, death reigned over him. It beat him. And that's why. That's why still today, the, the picture of burial at a funeral is a, is a good Christian picture of it. What does it show? As our loved one goes down into that dirt, what is the picture? They just lost that battle. Adam lost the battle. Earth won the battle. The very thing that we are supposed to subdue just subdued us. But, he says, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So keep all that in mind. Let's go to 16 and 17. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace 
and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Wow. So let's see a few things together. The end of verse 16, he says, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Do you see that? Don't let these religious words scare you. Please don't. The free gift following many trespasses, that's many, 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 many sins, brought justification. He's not discounting. He's not saying, I don't understand how bad it is. I'm saying one gift brought justification. Asher and I were talking not long ago, and, and I asked him, uh, you know, hey, hey, justification, how do you, what, can we come up with another word for this, another way to describe this? Uh, he said to me, said, what about all clear? Like, it's all clear. Everything's clear here. But, man, it's actually really helpful. I really like it. Um, I think that's exactly, I think it gets it right here. Like, read that. But the free gift following many trespasses brought, it's all clear, all clear here. Everything's okay. That's actually right on for justification. One gift, oh, lots and lots of trespasses leads to all clear. Everything's okay. Wow. So let's say that I clear my Romanian friends of all of their, I just, pardon. I'm going to act like I've never seen you guys ever travel. I've never seen you double dribble. Never. I never saw that elbow go to that guy's ribs. I never saw it. I, I never saw the way um, that you all hacked one another. Another. Never saw it. None of that. Never. Uh-uh. Um, your, uh, your, your layup ways. Uh, I've never seen it. All that's completely clear. You guys are clear. You've, you've never created one basketball offense. I do that for him. And then I say, and good news, I'm flying you tonight all the way over to the U.S., and you are going to get to play in the NCAA Final Four tomorrow night. How's that going to go? Folks, they've been clear. I've taken care of all their double dribbles. There's not a double dribble in anybody's history. Nobody's got a technical foul on their record. Not one. About 50 is what they deserve, but none. Many transgressions, gone. All they got to do is tomorrow show up and play what? In a Final Four. Is that going to go well for my friends? No. Because even though I cleared their basketball transgressions, they are still, God love them, bad basketball players, right? They're not going to do well. It's going to be really embarrassing the first time. I mean, a tip-off, they've never tipped off. They could probably throw the ball at somebody. I have no idea what would happen, right? We need from Jesus something far more than our sins all of our past transgressions forgiven. We need him to solve the fact that we are bad basketball players. We're bad at the human way of living and flourishing. We're sinful. We need that solved. Or even if all the past was forgiven, we would be an embarrassment. But worse than that, we would feel the full consequence of our rebellion against God. Verse 17, 
For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. You got that? The abundance of grace is the fact that all your transgressions just got given away. Underline this. You see there's a word and there? You see that word and? I can't tell you how much a conjunction means. And the free gift of what? Righteousness. Reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. You see that? Grace takes care of all your all of the bad basketball transgressions. Free grace took care of that. But now something else just massively happened. I just waved a wand, if you will, over my Romanian basketball team, and they all just became NBA All-Stars. Overnight, there they are. Now they fly. Now they land in the NCAA Final Four. And boy, things look drastically different. Adam's transgression left us condemned and guilty. The gift of the cross erases the guilt, but it does far more than that. Jesus didn't just hit the reset button and return us to the garden and say, try again. Far better. Jesus gives us a new nature. Like Adam imputed to us all of our transgression and rebellion, Jesus imputes to us a new righteousness. And so when he raises from the grave as our king, in so rising is our righteousness. And now we can actually, we can actually please God. We can get back in the garden. That's what that's all about. We can be back with God again. Look at 18 through 21. Therefore, and he's just going to sum it up. Just, ah, oh, I love it. He just sums it up. So Paul, therefore, it's like saying, okay, okay, okay. Given all that, given all that. As one trespass led to condemnation for all men. We got that. We're down with that. So one act of righteousness, this is Jesus, leads to justification and praise God for the conjunction and what? Life. All clear. That's our justification. We need more than that though. Help us out, Paul. And life. 19, for as by the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, we're all made sinner. Sum it up for us again, Paul. I got this. So by the one man's obedience, many will be made what? Righteous. 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass. Moses landed like me landing in Romania and starting to call the travels and the double dribbles. Moses lands into this sinful lot of people and says, no, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that. That's not right. You can't think that. Can't do that either. Now the law came in and increased the, increased the trespasses. But where sin increased, grace all abounded all the more. Why? Because grace showed us we needed something far better than not sinning. We needed something called living righteously. So that as sin reigned in death, reign, 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 all that time of death, 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 grace might reign through what? Righteousness leading through Jesus Christ our Lord. But folks, the gift is not for everyone. 
Otherwise, the preaching of the gospel would not be necessary. Verse 17 says, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. That's the difference between those who get the just desert of their sin and those who get grace. One thing, those who get grace received it from Jesus. Nothing they did different, but they what? They received it. That's it. That's all the difference is between them. As if you take 20 bad basketball players in Romania and one of them goes and, and stars it out in, in the final four after I waved the wand, what's the difference? One received the gift and one didn't. That's the difference. That's what Paul is pointing us at. That's the gospel. That's the good news. All right, we're closing. Last thing, you got Adam, you see him. That's where our sin came in. You see Moses, that's where somebody landed and started calling fouls. You got him, right? You see Jesus, that's our wand. That's the one that took care of all of our bad ways and gave us new life. Then why in the world do you even have Abraham to begin with? What's he all about? Why do you need him? Why don't you just go from lawless, give us law, then give us grace? Ah, love it. We'll close here. 21 and 22. This is where Pastor Scott had us last week in Galatians 3. Ah, he did such a fabulous job. I want to see it. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? So remember the law, look at it on the chart. Where does the law come compared to Abraham, before or after? After, yeah, exactly right. The law comes after. So he's saying, well, I mean, if it came after, is it contrary to the promise of God? No, that's what he says there. Certainly not, it's what we do in English, but Paul's yelling, no. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would be by the law. Like if you could give life through that, he would just have made it happen, but no. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. That's what Moses did. Moses shows up on the scene after the promise has already been made to Abraham. And what does he do? Everything's locked down. So my poor friends there in Romania, somebody had showed up to them years and years before I got there and told them, hey, guys, I want you all to know something. One day you're going to go to the final four. You're going to play in America and you all are going to win the championship. And they're like, sweet, right? So they, they do their thing. They do their thing. I show up. I got a whistle in my hand. I'm there. I'm blowing a whistle like I can't stop, right? Stop, stop, stop. You stop, you stop, you stop, right? Now, they've got a promise before I ever showed up that they were going to one day win this whole thing. And now I show up and I start blowing the whistle. I can imagine, I'm sure, that there's going to be a couple of them, type A, OCD, nothing wrong with those type of folk, um, people, and they, they are going to say, we got this. We got a coach now. All we got to do is listen to him every single day. We're going to have this. We'll be dunking, hitting three-pointers. We'll, we'll knock this thing out. Folks, I love them to death. They are some really sweet people. It's not happening. It is not happening. There's no way between the time now, between they get too old for their knees to handle it, that they would pull that off right? It wasn't happening. They thought I was a good basketball player, right? There's no way that's happening. That's the point of Galatians. 
Why in the world, when Moses showed up, did you all think, now we got a coach? Now we got somebody who will help us win this thing. We got this. We're going, coach. So that's a story we want to write. You can put the movie right on the film thing right now, right? Make it. We've got it. That's, the, that's what we want. That's not the gospel. You know, the gospel is completely different. The gospel is Moses shows up and he shows us how messed up we are. Locks us down. We can't even, can't even enjoy the game. Because every time we get ready to go dribble, what happens? Tweet! Stop over here. He's been in this lane for 30 seconds. Three-second violation, right? Every time. That's, that's what the law does. It just locks it down. You got two options in that case. You can say, I can pull this off if I work hard enough. Or you can finally realize there's no way. There's no way I'm getting out of this. And you can accept that the only way that anything is going to happen is if your nature is radically changed through a free gift, a promise. And it's as if Abraham walks right back onto the scene. After all of my tweeting with my whistle and everything, he comes right back on the scene to my Romanian friends. And he says, remember, I told y'all y'all are going. What do they say? Going? We we can't play at all. We're horrible. This guy showed us how bad we are. He says, I promised you, right? I promised you, right? Yeah. Well, then you will go. And he changes them and they go and win. Well, this is the gospel. Abraham showed up and said, you are going to go for one way and one way alone. I'm going to send a son and that son he will win all the righteousness and take care of all of your sin. Gave us a picture of it. We read it together out of Genesis 22. And he marched Isaac up there on the, uh, in, in, or 21, and almost sacrificed him on the altar. That's the picture. That's how it's going to happen. And then, then he sends Moses. He locks us down. And the answer finally comes in the son of Abraham, who? Jesus Christ. He changes us. That's the gospel. Adam shows us our connection to flesh and law-breaking. Abraham shows us that a rescue is coming in promise. Moses shows us our situation is much more desperate than we could ever imagine. And in Jesus Christ, we have life, hope, and salvation. And that is the gospel of Christianity, the incredible news of the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. Ah, thank you for the scriptures. It's incredible that you gave us Adam, that you gave us Abraham, that you gave us Moses, that you took so much patience to write all that stuff down. But then to give us Paul in the New Testament to explain it, to make it make sense. Father, thank you. I pray. I pray for anyone in this room that hasn't actually swallowed the depth of how close they're tied to Adam to realize, man, I'm messed up. I pray that you'd show them that this morning and let them believe that there's a promise, a promise given to Abraham and a promise in Christ that they can live. That you will wipe away their sins through Christ and 
Give them new life. And Father, I desperately pray, if any of us are so foolish to think that we can pull this off, that Moses was our coach and not our referee, I pray, Father, that you would show us that. Help us to see that we need a rescue and that we would trust in Christ. Pray now as we take a moment to reflect that you would move in our hearts.